0: Well, uh, this morning we're going to be continuing our uh, journey through the New Testament book of Romans. And last week, Bob taught on verses 6 through 11 of Romans chapter 5. And in that passage, we saw Paul amplify God's goodness and his love towards us. And Paul showed us that even though we're powerless, and even though we're ungodly, and even though we're horrible sinners, whether or not we're aware of it, Christ extends his love. Towards us, while we're uh, when we were at our absolute worst, Christ still extends His love towards us. And I'm really excited about the passage we're going to look at today because I think the end result, at least my hope, is that we will be filled with complete humility and a greater thankfulness for who God is and what He's done for us. So let's go ahead and get into it. um, Open up to Romans chapter five. We're going to be looking at verses uh, 12 through 21. It should be page 783. If you're using a pew Bible, and as I began um, preparing for this message, I told Bob, uh, one of the commentaries I came across said this, and I quote, this passage has been usually regarded as the most difficult part of all of the New Testament. I was like, cool, great. Uh, Thanks, Bob, for that one. So I'm going to do my best to explain this as clearly as I can, and I just ask you guys to have some patience and grace uh, with me as we dive into this. So here we go, Romans 5, starting in verse 12. says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men, because all sinned. For before the law was given, sin was in the world, but sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as Adam did, who was a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justi- a justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners... So also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. The law was added so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, let me give a little bit of history and um, context into what Paul is really talking about here. So we're going to have to take a step back, um, several thousand years, back to the um, creation of man. And as many of you know, the first human being ever created was a man named Adam and a woman named Eve. And God placed Adam and Eve in a garden called the Garden of Eden. And it was beautiful. Life was perfect. No sin, imagine that, no evil, no pain, no suffering, no destruction. Heaven on earth, it was paradise. And in Genesis 2, we read that God placed a tree right in the middle of the garden. And he called this tree the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he said, hey, you guys can eat of any tree in this entire garden. Just stay away from this one. Don't eat from this tree. Because if you eat fruit from this tree, you're going to die. And there's nothing wrong with, there was nothing wrong with that tree in itself. But by eating of that tree... They would have been disobeying God and therefore allowing sin into the world. Now you might be asking, dude, why did God put a tree in the garden that was going to kill them if they ate of it? Um, If God hadn't put that tree in the garden, Adam and Eve uh, wouldn't have had a choice to obey or disobey God. They would have been just like puppets or robots, just doing what they were programmed to do. And God desired for them to be able to make their own decisions of whether or not They would follow his commands. And putting a tree in the middle of that garden gave them the choice to either obey or disobey God. Because when you allow choice, then love actually means something, doesn't it? When you allow choice, love actually means something. So as the story uh, continues, we read in Genesis 3 that Adam and Eve were tempted by um, the snake or a serpent, which is the devil. Uh, to eat from the forbidden fruit from that tree, and they did. They ate of it, they disobeyed God, took a bite of the fruit, and allowed sin into the world. And uh, Scripture tells us that Eve ate of the fruit first. So is it a safe statement to say that uh, we can blame women for bringing sin and evil into the world? Any guys want to agree with that one? All right, a a couple hands, thank you. We can blame women. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. All right, let's uh, let's look at uh, verse 12 a little more closely. So there's a little history into what we're talking about. Verse 12, therefore, just as sin entered the world through the one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men, because all sinned. Now, this verse raises a difficult question. You might be asking, if I wasn't in the garden, then how did I sin? This verse says, sin entered the world through one man, his name was Adam. And when Adam ate of that fruit, his physical body started to die. Immediately, and his spiritual, um, his relationship with God was immediately fragmented and broken. As Christian writer Shea Hoodman wrote, he said, "From that point on, every person born has inherited Adam's sin nature and suffered the same consequences of spiritual and physical death. And just as we inherit uh, physical characteristics from our parents, we also inherit their spiritual characteristics." In other words, we inherit their original sin nature, no matter how much we don't like that. Your parents might have become Christians at some point in their life, but they were born sinners. It's just part of their DNA. And they inherited that original sin nature from their parents and their parents, and it can be traced all the way back to Adam. And since Adam was the first human being to ever exist, this is huge, he was the representative for the human race. And he and Eve were a model for all of mankind, and the issues that we face are just the same as the ones that they faced in the garden. Uh, They thought they knew better than God, and how often are we like that, that we think we know better than God when he tells us to do this or do that or live this way, and we don't. They thought they could handle the temptation. How often do we think we can handle the temptations that we often put ourselves in? And a lot of people, I've heard a lot of people, you know, they point the finger at Adam and Eve, and they say it's their fault for bringing sin into the world. And the truth is, we're not victims just because they screwed up. Because if you and I had been the first humans born to and put in that garden, we would have made the same choice. We would have disobeyed God, too, thinking that we knew better than God. Now, let me share a personal example, kind of how this relates. I am someone, I've been raised, I was raised in a Christian family my entire life. Parents always took me to church, always taught just the truths of Christianity. I went to a Christian school for 12 years, first grade to my senior year. A Christian worldview could have been found in every area of my life. Family, friends, school, church involvement, every area. But yet, how many times, thinking back on my life, have I thought that I knew better than God? How many times did he tell me to do something, to act this way, to speak to that person, to make this decision, And yet I chose the exact opposite. I denied him. I ignored him. Here's one. How many times was I taught the importance of humility? That was drilled in me. But yet, whether people realized it or not, I was filled with pride. Thinking that I was something special for maybe my musical abilities. Because I'm just like Adam. Prideful, selfish, and a broken human being. And had I been the first man ever created, I guarantee you I would have ate of that fruit too. Because I often, I often think I can live my life apart from God and survive on my own strength. And we can't blame Adam because the truth is we're all like Adam. Sinful and broken. And I came across something kind of funny I wanted to share as I was studying about Adam and Eve. Um, I came across the top ten reasons uh, why Eve was created. Some of them were a little lame. Some of them were kind of cool. But you guys want to know the number one reason why Eve was created? Here it is. After God created, uh, finished the creation of Adam, he stepped back and he scratched his head and said, I can do better than that. So God wanted some more beauty in the world, so that's why he created women. So there you go, ladies, a little shout out for you this morning. All right, let's uh, skip down to verse 15. Verse 15 says this. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? And that first sentence is crucial. The gift is not like the trespass. And if we were to skip down to verse 17, it tells us that this gift is righteousness. That's what the gift is. Because of Christ's sacrifice, we can become justified before God. We can't become righteous because of our own good works. But because of his grace, we can be justified and made right before God. Now take a moment to think about the God that we serve. We serve a God that tells us to love our enemies. And then he tells us to do what to people that persecute us? Anybody? Just say it. Bless the up. Pray for people that persecute us. He says when someone slaps us on the right cheek, we're supposed to do what? Turn the other cheek. He says, don't be proud. He says, associate with people of low position. He says, don't repay anyone evil for evil. And he says, oh yeah, and you've got to be willing to forgive people that sin against you every day. And they said, how many times? He said, up to 70 times seven times per day. Huh. There's not enough good inside of your hearts to live like that. There's not enough good inside our hearts to love like that apart from the grace and love of Christ living and working inside of us. And as Pastor Bob said last Sunday, he said, until we see ourselves as that adulterer in bed with another God, until we understand what great enemies of God we were through our self-seeking and sinful ways, we'll never love others with that same love. We'll never love others with that same love. Because the gift is not like the trespass and as awful. As Adam's sin was, and while it was the beginning of sin and evil entering the world, God's gift is so much greater than the effects that sin can bring into our lives. And while Adam's trespass brought evil and destruction into the world, God's gift through his son has brought life and healing and redemption. And if you uh, look down real quick, verse 20 says, Where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Because it is so much more powerful than sin. And very few people knew this more than the young man. I'm going to share a quick story about. If you think of Jesus' story, the parable of the lost son. In the story, you have a father who has uh, two sons. And the younger son approached his father and said, Hey dad, I want my share of the inheritance. And back in that time in culture, that was pretty much equivalent of saying, Hey dad, I wish you were dead, so give me your money. So the father, being hurt and broken, he divided up his inheritance, he gave it to his younger son, and the son took off for a distant country, spent all his money, blew everything in wild living. He was homeless and broke as a joke, as they would say. And he was so hungry, he was craving the food that um, pigs were eating because he didn't have enough money or the means to eat just a normal meal. And after, after he hit rock bottom, Um, He got himself together and said, you know what, I'm going to go home. I'm going to apologize to my dad, and I'm just going to become a servant of my dad. I don't even deserve to be called his son anymore. And on the journey home, uh, we read that his father was waiting for him. And when he saw him from a distance, he started running towards his son. And when he came up and approached him, he wrapped his arms around his son. He kissed him. He put a ring on him. Uh, He put uh, new sandals on his feet. He told his servants, he said, hey, go get a fat calf and kill it because we're going to eat, we're going to chow down, we're going to throw a party because this son was dead and now he's alive. This son of mine was lost, but now he's found. The gift is not like the trespass. And here's the kicker. Although the younger son rebelled against his father and committed horrible sins, The grace that he received upon his return home far outweighed the worst of his days when he was running from God. No matter how bad life got for him, the grace that God poured out on him surpassed any struggle or difficulty that life could ever throw at him. And kind of like Bob said last week, all we can do is accept this gift with just complete Humility, will never be able to repay it. All we can do is just get on our knees and thank him every day and devote our entire hearts to following him. Now there's something important I want to look at, kind of from last week. Um, verses 10, 15, and 17 have a repeating theme. Verse 10 says, if, if you want to follow along, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Verse 15 says that. For if, for if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift of Christ overflow to the many? And verse 17 says it again. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man? Jesus Christ. And Pastor John Piper summed this section up quite well when he wrote this. He said, If judgment followed Adam's transgression, it is much more certain that God's grace abounded and will abound, because judgment is not God's ultimate purpose in the universe. Rather, and this is the major point, the ultimate purpose of God in creating and governing the world the way he does is the display of abounding grace. And then he closed with this. The display of the glory of his grace is God's ultimate purpose in the world. And here the stress falls on the fact that all of this comes through the one man, Jesus Christ. The glory of God's grace is the glory of Christ applied to all who are in him. All of history, all of its sin and redemption is about the glory of the grace of God in the one man, Jesus Christ Christ. That is the meaning of history. Set in that for a minute. How much more, how much greater is God's gift than the sting of sin and death? His grace through His Son conquered our sin and the effects that sin brings. Into our life. And this is the good news that no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've been through, God's grace trumps everything. All sin and all evil and all pain and all suffering, His grace trumps everything. You can take that down, Todd. Though we deserve death because of our sin, he gives us life. And not only an eternal life to look forward to, but life right here and right now. John 10 says this. This is Jesus. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And his grace, his undeserved favor is so great. All we can do, like I said earlier, is just fall on our knees with humility and receive it. And after receiving it, his grace and love, we can then go out and be agents of grace and love to others. Because when you receive a gift that amazing, you can't hold it in. You can't just hide it in your closet and just keep it all to yourself. We can't become spiritually obese or spiritually constipated. We have to share this gift that we've been given, this good news that has been poured out upon us. Yes, you don't want to be spiritually constipated. Please don't be that type of Christian. That's bad. Share the good news with others that you've experienced for yourself. <laughs> um, I kind of want to wrap up a little bit by sharing a story I came across this week that just a great picture of both Christ and one of the greatest leaders in American history. It says on noon, at noon on January first, eighteen sixty-three. Abraham Lincoln received the final draft of the Emancipation Proclamation. Twice the president picked up his pen to sign it, and twice he laid it down. Turning to Secretary of State William Seward, he said, I have been shaking hands since 9 a.m. this morning, and my right arm is almost paralyzed. If my name ever goes into history, it will be for this act, and my whole soul is in it. If my hand trembles when I sign the proclamation, all who examine the document thereafter will say he hesitated. The president then took up the pen again and slowly but firmly wrote Abraham Lincoln. And that historic act endeared Lincoln to the world as the great emancipator. One greater than Lincoln brought freedom to the human race. Jesus signed our liberty with his own blood by dying on the cross to release us from the awful slavery of sin. Having trusted the Savior, we are free from sin's condemnation. By His Spirit, we have the power to turn from sin and live for Him. And doing so is the only way to honor Christ, our great emancipator. Now, I know when you gather this many people together in one room, um, you're going to have people all over The spiritual spectrum of where you guys are on your spiritual journey. My question today is this. Where do you find yourself with the good news that we've been covering? As we look through Romans, where do you find yourself with this good news? Um, Maybe you're here today and you're like the younger son in the story. And you've been running from God for a long time. Perhaps you're scared to death of what your life might look like if you weren't in control. Some of you here today might be on the opposite end. Maybe you're like the older brother in the story that we didn't have time to get into. Maybe you feel like you've been doing all the right things for so long and you're disgruntled with life. Maybe you think you've worked so hard for God, attended church, you tied, you served people until you're sick of it. And you've grown bitter at God because you don't have the joy or the life that you think you deserve. Perhaps you're here today and you've forgotten how incredible God's grace really is. Maybe you wake up every day and you take it for granted. And this is is the category I find myself in. Living my life as if I don't need His grace every day. Of course I believe in Christ and His power but i got enough wisdom to get through life on my own, or so I think. And finally, maybe you're here today and you've never never even received this grace and this gift that Christ offers us and if that's you I I would love to talk with you um, today after service and wherever you find yourself on the spiritual spectrum I want to give you guys just a minute or two here soon to just just reflect and be silent and still before God and reflect on what God is speaking to you Um, I believe he wants to speak to every one of us and as a pastor it's my job and it's Bob's job To present his word, this truth, as clearly as we can. And it's your role and ours too to go to God with this and listen to him. How is God speaking to you? What is he speaking to you through his word? And how are you going to respond to it? How is the good news we're studying in Romans going to impact the way that you live tomorrow? It's so important, I can't emphasize this enough that we each listen to God ourselves. We're all on different spectrums, going through different things. I don't have all the answers for each of your individual lives, but he does. What's he calling you to do, and what's he asking you to change in your life? So take some time to wrestle with that this week, and I'm going to give you guys a minute or two right now to just reflect on what God is speaking to you through Romans and how you're going to respond to him. So let's take a minute now just to be silent before God. Um, we're going to close out today with a song that we haven't played in a while, but it is very fitting for today's passage. And the song is called Beautiful Scandalous Night. And the lyrics of the chorus say this, At the wonderful, tragic, mysterious tree On that beautiful, scandalous night You and me Were atoned by His blood And forever washed white On that beautiful, scandalous night And just as our enemy, the devil, used a tree in the garden to tempt Adam and Eve to sin and therefore bring sin and evil into the world, our Savior used a tree as well in the shape of a cross to lay down his life for ours so that we could have life and life to the full. Let's pray together. God, you are so worthy of all our praise and adoration. And your grace exceeds anything this world could ever offer. We thank you so much for your gift of salvation and for the love that we experience only through you. That we can be made righteous before you because of your son Jesus. And we can never repay you for what you've done for us. We can't even count the blessings that you've showered over us. All we can do is bow in humility and worship you, and devote our entire lives to following you. Help us to take time now and throughout this week to listen to what you're speaking to us through your word, and help us to respond in the way that you want us to respond, God. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and stand with us as we uh, finish in song.